Welcome to Sales is Not a Dirty Word, the show that proves if it's a fit, it's a fact. I'm your innovative sales coach, Alicia Barr, and the creator of the Black Sheep Sales Method. If you're a done-for-you service provider looking to increase your impact and profits without pressure pitching or pretending to be someone else, then this is for you. Okay, so... This episode is going to be about the things that people unconsciously do in a sales conversation that is undermining the sale. And they're the most common ones that I see in here. And I realized the comparison here when it, to my real life when the other day, you know, I have a five-year-old and she repeats us all the time. And She'll say things sometimes where we're like, which one of us says that? Who says that? Uh, an example of this was <laughs> she was recently like, I don't know about that. And we're like, who is the person who's saying that? Because she was saying it a lot. And we found out it's me, right? And I say it in the context of when there's somebody presents an option that I don't like, <laughs> It's basically a weird way of saying no, not interested. And she uses it in the exact same context. So it it wasn't good or bad. It was interesting to learn about myself, right? And it reminded me of the most common, that one's really specific to me. I don't think that a lot of people are saying that, but there are patterns in stuff that people will say in a sales conversation. And I'm not talking about the word um. Um, they kind as I say it, uh, they kind of, you will recognize it when I point it out and it's even worse usually with women. Um, there, there's ways of kind of like softening your language and becoming really passive and uncertain. And, uh, it really makes the buyer on an unconscious level, not want to buy from you as much. So one of the things that always surprises people is when you say, I think, right? So you're going to say, you know, I think that you're doing a lot of stuff well, and these are the areas missing that when you adjust them, you're going to get a better result. Well, is that true or is that just your opinion, right? Is it based on experience? Because then you want to say, in my experience... You are doing everything right except for X and Y. And when those things are added in, you'll get a better result. And so it makes it more of like a fact, a a concrete thing. Now, you're not going to lie if it's not true. But people are saying, I think all the time before something that is a fact or truth based on data, experience, results, expertise, If you don't want to say it's a fact, then at least say like in my expertise or in my experience or when I've done this before, this is what I've seen. So you can give someone all the context just in case you feel weird about presenting it as some kind of fact. But when you say, I think it completely undermines it because it's just something you think it's not something you know, right? Um, It doesn't have as much validity and authority and credibility and it makes it sound like it's an opinion and nobody really cares about your opinions. They care about why you have those opinions. And the reason you have that opinion is your expertise, right? So you want to explain the data you have 
or the experiences you have that are, are bringing you to that conclusion so the other person can feel confident in your expertise and want to work with you, right? So that's a big one. If you can stop yourself from saying, I think, and instead presenting it in one of the ways I just said. Another one that people do all the time is make sense. They ask make sense. That's the literally the only question they ask. So if you haven't checked out my you know episode on pitch weaving, definitely go check it out. If you haven't um, watched the episode about strategic check-in questions, definitely check it out. And they both cover this in detail, why it makes such an enormous difference if you are asking a question that reveals information that you is actually valuable to you. So makes sense is an automatic yes. Somebody can say that without even thinking. And actually, if they say no, then they kind of are stupid, right? Like it's sort of, it's, they're not really, but like the subconscious implication is they're, they're not smart. So some people know that that's not true and will say, you know, it doesn't make sense. Can you explain blah, 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 blah. But the majority are not going to say that either because they're tuned out and also because they're like not wanting to look like they don't understand. But whenever you've asked makes sense a whole bunch in a, in a sales conversation, I mean, do you get to the end of the sales conversation sometimes and the other person asks a question that makes it very clear that nothing you said made sense, but they confirmed multiple times that it did, right? So now you have somebody who's confused and doesn't have clarity and you have to rehash stuff for them and re-explain it and figure out what they don't understand. And if you explain it the same way you already did, you know what? They're probably going to miss it again. And then they're just going to say no or let me think about it because they're confused. I would say 75% of the time a sale does not close simply because of confusion or lack of clarity. They think you're saying something that you're not. They assume an implication of something you said like that sounds time intensive and it's not. They just thought that the way the way you explained it made it sound like it was. You know what I mean? So you want to ask very specific questions. And obviously, this is something I, I help you come up with specific to your offer. But in a gen- general way, like you want to ask things like, does that line up with what you were thinking? You know, um, does that seem more effective than what you've been doing? Is it different than what you've been doing? Is it different from other solutions that you've looked into? Those kinds of questions are going to give you actual information that's helpful to you because they can say, not really. And you can say, wait, what? Um, How? Show me. Tell me. And you'll talk it through. And 90% of the time, they just did not understand what you were saying. <laughs> and you're able to clarify it. So it's like this transparent, clean conversation where nobody's convincing anyone. Nobody's manipulating anyone. Everybody's just understanding exactly what's going on you understand their situation like oh well how much time do you have right if you haven't listened to overcoming objections go back to that one because you really want to get curious when there's resistance um instead of like convincing so when you ask makes sense you don't know you don't know what somebody's situation is um you don't know why they're feeling confused and it it just allows the person to also just tune out and not hear you at all. And that could be why they don't understand anything too. Either way, makes sense is not a great question. The other thing that's really, and that's one that men do a lot too. So it's both men and women. Um, I will say that 
more women are going to do this I think thing and they also do this language that is undermining like well it's kind of like and you know sometimes and maybe and uh, you know probably and all of these unsure words because this is like how women talk to each other I don't know it's go go dive deep into societal patterns and how we're raised and educated and whatever to find out I, I've looked into it before I don't want to explain it here because it's not really what this podcast is about I just want you to become aware of it and um like it, you might think that you're softening it or coming off less threatening maybe by saying well that's what I was kind of thinking I mean, could you imagine anything that inspired less confidence than that sentence? Like, this person seems very unsure. And women are just like, no, I'm just trying not to come off like overconfident or cocky or, you know, it's not totally exclusive to women. Sometimes men are just worried about like, basically when service providers really care about the end result for a client, they are so terrified of overpromising that they end up underselling themselves. So they undermine it with this language to be like, well, you know, to leave for that like 0.5% chance that um, you know, it could go differently. Like there's this small variable that changes everything. Instead, you want to just communicate that variable, right? Just say, well, when XYZ is in place, you know, that that's the only time that something weird could happen. As long as these things are there, this is the result that should happen. It's never gone any differently for me. So those kinds of things can make you feel confident in what you're saying and sound confident while not running the risk of overpromising some, you know, bizarre scenario that could happen in an alternate reality. I mean, it's not that drastically um, dramatic, but you get what I'm saying, right? So yeah, all of those things are going to make the other person feel unsure about you, unclear, confused, and a confused mind says no. So when I work with people, I actually will listen to your sales calls. I do reviews and we point out the things that might have happened like this. In addition to, of course, designing questions throughout the conversation, including when you explain your services, like your own check-in questions, so that you can get the information that you need. So you don't have to think about it. It's not winging it or in the moment or anything like that. We also, every week, we practice reverse role-playing where you'll be a buyer on someone else's offer and then you get to practice also. And we stop in the middle and say, hey, how are you feeling right now? Like, are you feeling sold? Are you feeling like you can trust this person? They're an expert. Are you feeling good? Are you feeling, you know, and you can't do that in a real conversation. So it's so helpful when you're both in the buyer's role, re-experiencing that feeling. Because a lot of times the thing you thought was pushy or not okay is actually totally fine. Um and it's also like nice when you are the person who's saying the words selling and you can understand like what kind of effect your words have and why. So anyway, if this information was helpful to you on a general level, imagine, you know, what would it be worth if it was specific to you? And would that be valuable for you? If it would, then book a sales level up call where I will, you know, Go through one of your calls or look at your script and tell you the top three things you can change or the things that are going, you know, the gaps basically 
um, to increase your sales immediately. And it's also a great way to figure out if we're even a good fit because, you know, I'm not trying to work with anybody who's not going to get a result with me because if it's a fit, it's a fact and there's no selling involved. It applies to me as well. So anyway, I hope this has been helpful for you and something you feel like you can implement. This has been another episode of sales is not a dirty word. The show that shows done for you service providers, how to convert 80% of your leads without pitching pressure or pretending to be someone else. Thank you for listening. See you next time.